Hey, welcome back to a new episode. Today we're going to talk about the EU's oil embargo on Russia and what it means for oil prices. World economy is getting away from the US dollar. What does that mean for the US and what does it mean for financing our debt? I'm Paul Heron and welcome to Pushing Back. Alright, so big news coming out of the European Union. They're imposing an oil embargo on Russia. Um, it does include an exemption for pipeline-delivered oil, which accounts for about one-third of the oil purchases. Uh, that was really to get Hungary on board. Viktor Orban had uh, previously said that an embargo on Russian oil would ruin his economy, but that they are working towards being free of Russian oil within two years. So this embargo will start being phased in over the next several months, and it's said to cover about 90% of Russian oil imports by the end of the year. The biggest part of this, though, is it attacks the uh, insurance on shipments. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the European Union's partial embargo on Russian oil sounds impressive, but it is the bloc's insurance ban on crude shipments, shipments that packs the most punch. After weeks of political wrangling, all 27 countries in the bloc finally agreed to ban shipments of Russian crude and uh, refined fuels overnight on Monday. Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban had been the holdout. The phased-in embargo is forecast to affect about 90% of the bloc's total Russian crude imports by the end of the year. Of course, this is really just since they're not cutting off oil delivered by pipelines. It just means more oil is going to be delivered by pipelines which means there's going to be more delays, which means oil's still going to be flowing. The price is just going to go up. Continuing, the import embargo sounds good, but alone it would reor reorient rather than reduce Russian oil deliveries. Crucially, though, the sanctions also include a phased-in ban on ensuring European ships that carry Russian oil, according to Wall Street Journal reports on Tuesday. This detail will have a more meaningful impact on Russian exports, as Moscow relies heavily on European insurers and ship shippers when transporting its oil around the world. The move seems likely to reduce Russian exports. This rub is that it also will push up global prices, blunting the hit to Moscow's cash flow and exacerbating consumers' cost of living crisis. Extra deliveries from the oil-producing cartel could ease the pain but are unlikely. Brent touched a two-month high of $120 a barrel on Tuesday, propelled by the EU ban and expected growth in demands as COVID-19 lockdowns ease in China. So, so the, the Chinese COVID-19 shutdowns reduce their demand by over a million barrels a day. So with their lockdowns you know, ending, most of that demand is likely to return. And with the prices going up, inflation is just going to keep getting worse especially going into the summer driving season. Politico reported that OPEC announced Thursday members of the oil cartel agreed to a larger-than-expected hike in output, signaling a potential thaw in relations between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia ahead of a potential trip by President Joe Biden's trip to the Middle East. The White House offered measured praise for the move, giving credit for acknowledging tight market conditions and pushing OPEC members to boost their production. So you'll remember that President Biden uh, said that Saudi Arabia should be a pariah because of the murder of journalist Khashoggi. Here is Karine Jean-Pierre being questioned about that. He said he'd uh, 
plans to make Saudi Arabia pay a price, and a pariah is reported that the president plans to visit Saudi Arabia, including having a meeting with that crown prince. How is that consistent with making Saudi Arabia pay a price or turning to a pariah? Um, let me just say first, his his words still stand. The president's words, what you just laid out, is uh, still stands today. I Still stands today. Um, I feel like in the middle of an oil crisis, maybe don't call one of the biggest producers of oil a pariah and bash them for civil rights violations. While you are having talks with Iran, who is easily the number one violator of civil rights, further straining our relationship with Saudi Arabia. But things will continue to get worse. Putin also has demanded that natural gas be paid for in rubles and to get around that Europe has created a new system to get around the sanctions. As the Washington Post reported, European energy companies appear to have bent to Russian President Vladimir Putin's demand that they purchase natural gas using an elaborate new payment system, a concession that avoids more gas shutoffs and also gives Putin a public relations victory while continuing to fund his war effort in Ukraine. The system, which involves the creation of two accounts at Gazprom Bank, enables Europe to say it technically is paying for natural gas in euros, while Russia can say it's receiving payment in rubles. Under the new billing system, gas payments will continue to be invoiced and sent in euros. The noteworthy change is that Russia will then take the money from the European Energy Company's euro account, convert the euros into rubles, transfer the money into a special ruble account also belonging to the energy company, and then take the money once and for all. So this is a way to avoid sanctions. Russia still gets to sell its natural gas and fund the war effort in Ukraine. You'll notice that dollars are not being used at all in those transactions. And Saudi Arabia is considering accepting the Chinese Yuan instead of the dollar for oil sales. Um, for decades, the vast majority of Saudi Arabia's oil sales have been done in the dollar. And a lot, like... All of these countries have had to keep reserve dollars on hand to pay for oil. Now, with Saudi Arabia not happy that we're negotiating with Iran and also the deteriorating conditions due to the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, now China has been kind of buddying up to Saudi Arabia. According to The Hill, China's economic relationship to Saudi Arabia has grown closer, with the kingdom providing 1.76 million barrels of oil a day to the country in 2021. While the country plans to maintain the dollar for the majority of its oil trading, a shift by the Saudis could create a domino effect for China's other major oil suppliers such as Russia, Angola, and Iraq. Saudi Arabia previously threatened to sell in other countries in 2019 if Congress passed a bill that would allow antitrust liability for OPEC members. But that bill failed again. So why does that matter again? Well, uh, why does it matter so much? So again, these countries keep U.S. dollars as a reserve currency, currency in their central banks to buy oil, since about 80% of all oil sales is priced in dollars. So if that changes and other currencies are being used, countries are going to start ditching their dollar reserves. This is going to have in se serious inflationary, ish, uh, inflationary consequences while also devaluing U.S. companies. So the largest of these reserves <clears throat> are typically owned by countries that have a large trade surplus, right? Like China and other oil exporting countries. So they take in currencies like U.S. dollars in exchange for the exports, and then they invest those funds. Central banks like to use cash to buy debt because it pays interest rate. So like countries will buy U.S. treasury bills 
because most foreign trade is done in the US dollar and this helps the US to finance its debt. So it can really be a big problem if the US loses its dominance on the world stage, the US dollar. Business Insider had an article says there's a major shift underway one the u.s mainstream media has left largely untouched even though it will send the united states into an economic maelstrom and dramatically reduce the country's importance on the world stage the demise of the u.s dollar as a world reserve currency for decades the u.s dollar has been absolutely dominant in international trade especially in the oil markets this role has created immense demand for u.s dollars and that international demand constitutes a huge part of the dollar's valuation not only did the global currency roll add massive value to the dollar, it also created an almost endless pool of demand for U.S. Treasuries as countries around the world sought to maintain, maintain stores of petrodollars. So, the petrodollars are the crude oil export revenues, <clears throat> usually in U.S. dollars. Right, so countries will do what's called recycling, will, will, they'll take their excess revenue of petrodollars, and they will invest it back in. Like, for instance, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia had a deal where the Saudis would funnel their petrodollars into U.S. treasuries. Again, helping the U.S. to finance its debt. So, why am I talking about all this? <clears throat> well, because we're in an inflationary spiral, and we're also, it's, it's because we're spending too much money. In February, the, the U.S. debt surpassed $30 trillion. And the majority of that debt is owed to buyers of U.S. Treasury notes. <clears throat> Some have bought by individuals or companies, and a lot of them by foreign governments that buy our debt. While oh, President Obama added the most dollar-wise to the debt, I mean, Biden is, is on par to completely surpass what Obama or Trump spent. And over two, $2 trillion of what Trump spent was on COVID spending. I mean, as of a, a, just a few months ago, Biden had added almost $2.5 to the national debt. So the reason that we can continue running deficits and running up the national debt is because we finance that debt by issuing treasury bills, notes, and bonds. So by issuing those securities, the government can get the cash it needs to do its day-to-day -day business. Now, one of the reasons that the... <clears throat> the dollar is so well liked is because it is so it is so liquid if foreign countries begin dumping their reserves of the US dollar i mean it's it's going to cause more inflation the US is going to have to raise the yields on the treasury bonds cuz investors are going to demand a higher return because it's a riskier investment and if investors get spooked they can withdraw their deposits and that'll just push down the value of the currency and cause more inflation. So th this is a really big problem. So bad, how bad is inflation? According to the Seattle Times, U.S. consumers have been struggling with high inflation rates for months. In April, prices were up 8.3% from one year earlier, just below the 8.5% year-over-year surge in March, which was the highest since 1981. The jump in gasoline prices hit drivers hard every time they need to fill the tank, and it grabs the most media attention. In Seattle, the one-year increase was more than $1 per gallon, from about $3.21 in the beginning of 2021 to $4.26 in the first quarter of 2022. And look, again, anytime the Democrats say that they have no control over it, they shut down the Keystone Pipeline, 
And they can shout from the rooftops all they want that it wasn't operational at the time. Well, it would be nearing operational now. And again, in anticipation of that pipeline being operational, the market would factor that into the pricing. And also, maybe don't call out Saudi Arabia for human rights violations while buddying up to Iran who is a larger human rights violator, further angering Saudi Arabia, and then having to go back and beg for them to pump more oil. The idea that Biden has no control over foreign policy matters is absurd because he's the sole foreign policy arbiter. He has more control over foreign policy than he does over anything else. Vladimir Putin saw what happened in Afghanistan, and he knew that he could get away with this. Bad decisions have bad consequences. And if he would make it easier to pump oil at home, we could produce more than we are right now. But Biden has been on the defensive this whole time. He's been saying that none of it's his fault. That's He spends all of his time talking about how it's not his fault. The price of gas is Putin's fault. The price of groceries is Putin's fault. We're, we have to ignore the fact that they were going up long before this war started. And things in Ukraine don't look like they're going to get any better anytime soon. New York Times reported that at least five missiles hit the capital of Kiev at about 5 a.m. on Saturday near a railway station and other targets, which was the first shelling reported in the city in more than a month. Russia said the strikes had destroyed tanks and armored vehicles supplied by Eastern European allies, a claim that Ukrainian officials denied. The attack came as President Vladimir Putin warned that Moscow would hit targets it had so far avoided if Western nations began delivering longer-range missiles to Ukraine. So, Putin's just getting angrier that we're sending weapons over there. Um, I'm sure it's not going to be too long before he uses a tactical nuclear weapon, just to sort of see how the West responds to that. In its latest intelligence update, the British Defense Ministry said that Ukrainian counterattacks were likely blunting the operational momentum of Russian forces in Sieverodonetsk, which the ministry said included separatist fighters that were poorly equipped and trained and lacked the heavy equipment of regular units. Seizing Sieverodonetsk would give Russia total control of the Luhansk region and perhaps pave the way for a renewed offensive to capture all of the industrial Donbass region a major objective for Mr. Putin after his forces failed to take Kiev and other parts of northern Ukraine in the early weeks of the war. So, again, the war rages on, supply chains are crippled, uh, and despite all of the sanctions, Putin is still able to sell his oil and natural gas. If the world had not been so hell-bent on making itself helpless... By cutting all of its oil and natural gas production, we would not be reliant on savage dictators to get the fuel that we need. And yet we still have the White House saying to focus on green energy sources. We're not anywhere near sustainability with green energy. And if the American people are unable to buy gas and food or find baby formula, why, how and why would, can they focus on green energy efforts? 
But again, this is not all about the war. This was happening ever since day one of Joe Biden taking office. Here's uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, Yellen finally admitting that she was wrong. Oh, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks. That so much of this was not unanticipated because we were saying over a year ago that this was going to happen. And they said first that it inflation didn't exist, then it was transitory, then it was COVID, this whole long line of things. And again, they will never take the blame for it. Biden's not going to fix this. He's just going to keep blaming it on one thing after the other until 2024 when he's shoved out of office. That's that's how that, that's going to go. And of course, Biden has been going around saying that he lowered the deficit, which is, which is absolutely ridiculous. He did not lower the deficit. That's so wildly dishonest. Literally, COVID spending expired, and then the spending that he wanted to pass didn't pass. So then he's going to go around saying that he lowered the deficit because the spending bill that he wanted didn't pass because he was trying to spend way more money that we don't need to be spending that we do not have the congressional budget office office projects a federal budget deficit of one trillion dollars in 2022 and an average annual shortfall of 1.6 trillion from 2023 to 2032 under the assumption that existing laws governing taxes and spending generally remain unchanged. We all know they just want to keep spending more money. And then when they set a deadline for spending programs to end, they never end. So you end up spending way more than you had actually intended to spend. Federal debt held by the public is projected to dip to 96% of GDP in 2023, but then rise each year thereafter, reaching 100 and 10% in 2032, higher than it has ever been. In the Congressional Budget Office's projections, elevated inflation will persist throughout 2022 and then subside as supply disruptions dissipate, energy prices decline, and less accommodative monetary policy takes hold. So again, the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates, uh, interest rates very high, very fast, and it's going to send us into a recession. This is bad news bears. And if we don't stop spending money, things are going to get even worse. And if the dollar loses its prominence on the world stage, we're going to have way less investment. And it's going to become difficult to finance our debts. And I don't want to live in a world where the United States defaults on its debts. We need leaders in the White House, in Congress, to take responsibility for their offices and for what's right for the American people. All right, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you for listening. If you like this show, give it a follow, give it a subscribe. You can find me on social media, 
You can find me on Rumble. Please give me a follow and let me know what you think of the show. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back later this week with another episode of Pushing Back. Pushing Back.